Good morning, church. Good morning, visitors. Good morning, everybody. I am um, more than just a little fired up this morning. This is the last message in our three-month series on Ephesians. And if it doesn't end with a bang, it feels like everything was kind of leading up to this final message. So as I, uh, I prepared for it this week, oh boy, I was getting worked up and I was getting excited. And I want you to get a bit worked up this morning. I want you to get excited by the time we're done this morning. So um, if it speaks to you, would you comment on it? Would you share the video with someone who needs it? Are you ready to get a little worked up? Okay, but before that, I have to remind y'all about the bad news, like the seasons in my life, in your life, where it feels like you've had arrows coming at you, you know, um, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. Doctor says it's cancer. Friend says uh, they don't want to be friends with you anymore. Spouse says, I think we're done. Uh, A microscopic virus comes along and all of a sudden the world blows up. And then the arrow comes financially. Um, You lose your job. You know, the plumbing bursts. You don't have money for it. You find yourself in like real financial trouble. You're shot at spiritually. You're discouraged. You're depressed. Your thoughts are foggy. Your hope is fading. You're afraid. And maybe it's the human condition. But when that happens, we often look up and go, God, where are you? I thought you were good. I thought you were loving. I thought you were going to provide for me. Why, why are you against me? Have you ever felt like that? People can go through all kinds of um, directions when those arrows come. Maybe there is no God. Uh, maybe there is a God, but he isn't good. Maybe God loves other people, but he doesn't love me. Maybe God is powerless to change anything. Okay. First thing we need to know, I need to know, you need to know, is that it's not just us and God in this equation. There's this other third variable that we absolutely have to factor into everything. And that is we have an enemy. Now we live in a day when people, even Christians, don't even believe in Satan and demons. They're relegated to some sort of cartoon characters and fairy tales. And maybe some of you watching this morning don't really believe in a literal Satan. And so when the arrows come, we tend to question or blame God. And I I think Satan's quite happy with that. Listen, the world is not as it should be. Not everything that happens is God's initiative. God has an enemy. In fact, it's so important that it's Paul's final thought in this book of Ephesians, the final word on who God says we are. So if you can, would you turn there with me to Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. This is our last week in Ephesians, and this is the last word from God through Paul. And it happens to be about a literal evil. The book, yes, talks about salvation. It talks about your identity, but don't overlook the existence of the enemy. 
Now, we tend to read the Bible verses as uh, how they apply to me, right? How will this help me? And the truth is, yes, we are all soldiers, but it takes an army to win a war. And so this word is to the whole church, not just to individuals in the church, but the whole big C church who are laboring and struggling and working together. This is a word for you, but it is a word for you as part of us. Jesus loves us. Satan hates us. Jesus has a plan for us. Satan has plans to oppose us. Uh, Jesus wants in every way to bless us, but Satan will in every way seek to undermine that blessing. Like it's a war. Do you realize that? Because most Christians don't. It's a war. How many of you feel sometimes like this life is just a battle? You know why? Because it's a battle. The closer you get to Jesus, the more resistance you'll get. The more you advance the kingdom of God, the more arrows you'll take. I, keep, I like making that sound, I guess. Um. So Paul has a very strong word. It's like a military word from a, a commander to the troops on the ground. These are our marching orders. First, we need to know our enemy. Do you know you have an enemy? Do you know you're not loved by everyone and everything? Do you know you're actually hated, despised and opposed? Here's what it says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Now listen, people are not our enemy. Unbelievers are not our enemy. The Bible speaks of non-Christians as captives. You know, in war, an invading army enslaves and takes captive the citizens, right? The unsaved world has has been taken as captives and we pray for not much longer, but they're captives nonetheless. And so our fight, our struggle is not against the captives. Our war is against the captors. We fight so that people would be spiritually and in every way set free to become children of God. It's why Jesus says in his very early in his earthly ministry that he has come to set the captives free. So our war is not against the non-Christians. Our war is not against those who would uh, disagree with us on, a, on our biblical faith. Our war is not against Hollywood or, or politicians, people who don't agree with us on every issue. Our war is against an unseen enemy who has taken people captive. And our battle is not against other Christians, right? There's nothing worse than one soldier shooting another soldier. Don't turn your guns on each other. Don't gossip about one another. Don't criticize one another. Satan's already got that covered, right? So we need to know our enemy. First rule of this fight club is that you need to talk about fight club. And the second rule is you need to size up your enemy. Any of you ever been in a fight? For some reason, when I was younger, like grade school, I got in my fair share of school fights. And so we'd say, okay, so-and-so wants to fight you after school, meet him by the bike racks. And so the first thing is, 
who, who is it? Because this will determine whether I show up or not or how many friends I'm bringing. Who is it I'm fighting? So here's what we do know about our enemy. Satan was created by God. So he's, he's not God. He's not equal to God. He doesn't share God's attributes. God can be everywhere. Satan can't. God knows everything. Satan doesn't. God knows your mind and thoughts. Satan doesn't. Now, he's powerful as a, as, a, as a spirit being. He's powerful in that he's been observing human history for thousands of years. So he understands how to read people. He can't read your mind, but he can read your life. And we're not all individually dealing with Satan because he is limited by space and time, but he has demons at his disposal. So you need to know that he is real, that he has a a degree of power and that he is really at work trying to undermine the mission of Christ. And, And with that said, we need to be careful not to make too much of him or too little of him. Some of you might come from a a church tradition, perhaps uh, what we would call a a charismatic background. That's my background. And sometimes um, they can make too much of Satan and demons, you know, to to the degree where we're not even responsible for our own sin. It could be like a really easy card to pull like Eve did in, in Genesis three. Oh, the devil made me do it, right? Well, he may tempt you, you're the one who sins. He may set uh, an opportunity for you, but you're responsible for how you react to it. And then uh, some make too little of Satan because you try to explain everything away with science or hormones or DNA or psychology. You try to have an explanation for everything, everything other than a spiritual explanation. You know, perhaps some of you think, well, Satan and demons, that's very primitive. That's very, uh, from, a, from a bygone era, we've evolved beyond that. And Satan would say, right on, good. I love that you think that you've evolved beyond the primitive teachings of, of the Bible and Jesus. Listen, Satan is real. We have a real enemy. I was watching this um, documentary this week and, and I didn't know how to show you a clip from it except to record it on my phone. So forgive the quality, but it really applied. Watch this. So we have witches, people literally on the other team, and they have no problem believing in the power and principalities of an unseen world. But sometimes we Christians do. Man, I could tell you, I could tell you stories. I remember our pastor out West overhearing a a table of occultists at a coffee shop, praying for the destruction of local area churches to, to put a curse on them. This is real stuff, folks. And I like how the King James translates verse 12. Instead of we struggle, it says, we wrestle. Any of you ever wrestled? 
Any of you had a, a sibling? If you had an older brother, you wrestled whether you wanted to or not, right? But any of you ever actually wrestled in, in college or high school? True or false? It's exhausting. You know why, why um, UFC only have five minute rounds? Because that's all you can do. Like even the best conditioned athletes in the world, that's all you can do. And, and the language here in scripture is that of, of hand-to-hand combat. You know, it's where they've got their hands on you and you've got your hands on them and you're in, in, in tight quarters. In the UFC, we call it in the clinch, right? It's exhausting. And ministry is like that. And serving Jesus is like that. And preaching the gospel and missions work can be like that. It can be hard. It can be exhausting. And maybe there are those today who are watching who don't pray, who don't give, who don't serve, who don't share their faith because you know the cost. You know it's gonna be a fight. So know your enemy. And number two, know your king. Who do you fight for? You know what? If you don't know who you fight for, you're probably not gonna fight well. Paul says it this way in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his power. Mac, you need to know this. It's the Lord's fight. It's Jesus's church, right? Um, This is his book. It's his war. It's not yours. It's not mine. We're not the king. It's not our kingdom. We're the servants. We're the soldiers. We labor for a great, glorious, and good king. And the question is, How in the world am I going to live? How are you going to live in the, in the clinch? Satan has his hands on you, exhausting you, trying to destroy you, your business, your family, your relationships, your ministry, our church. Let me say this. You're not going to make it for a lifetime. You cannot make it for a lifetime. You cannot motivate yourself for a lifetime of war, you're going to need strength that is beyond you, beyond yourself. It says, be strong. How? In his mighty power. Jesus is gonna give you his strength because let me tell you, yours won't do. You get that, right? You can't serve Jesus for a lifetime without Jesus's strength. You can't love your spouse for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. You can't raise your children for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. It's his war fought with his strength, the presence, the power of his spirit in us. And it's that same spirit who empowered the life of Jesus against temptation and exhaustion and opposition and criticism. That same spirit is in you today. And I'll tell you, anytime that I've tried to fight by my own power, I lose very quickly and I run out of energy, guaranteed. And anytime I'm strengthened by his power, man, I can do things I couldn't normally do. I can endure things I couldn't normally. And you're like, wait, God, you're asking me to do something I can't do? Yeah, good. Now you're clear on your orders. Jesus says, you'll do it by my strength. Oh, well, that's why we'll win. Yeah, 
So you guys thought you were watching a church service today. No, we're getting ready for war. And if you're gonna go to war, you gotta know your enemy, you gotta know your king, and you, you gotta know what weapons you have at your disposal. Here's what it says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. He says, first of all, um, put on the belt of truth. You know, each one of these pieces of God's armor combats one of the enemy's tactics and tricks. So he's gonna attack you in, in specific ways. And so God gives you specific weapons to individually, collectively, to defend ourselves. So what's, what's the opposite of truth? Lies. Any lies in this world today? The doy, you know, in John eight forty four, Jesus says that, that Satan is the father of what? Lies. Lying is his native tongue. It's all he's ever done is lie. So, you know, when you and I lie, we're doing something Satan created. You know, whether it's not telling the truth or only telling part of the truth, Satan is going to lie to you. Satan is going to lie to us. He lies all the time. And just so you know, something doesn't actually have to be true to be effective. You know, I just need to get you to believe that it's true. What do I mean? Well, if I walk up to a woman and say, um, you know, I think your husband has a girlfriend. I'm pretty sure he's been unfaithful to you the entirety of your marriage. And it's not true. But if she believes it's true, do you think that affects their relationship? Yeah. See, Satan knows that something doesn't actually need to be true. It just needs to be believed. So he's going he's gonna to lie. He's going to whisper insecurities in your ear. He's going to send false teachers. He's going to send bad counselors. And if you believe them, well, listen, he's responsible for lying. But in fairness, you're responsible for believing. And this could be lies about God. This could be lies about yourself, about people in our church. It could be lies about leaders in our church. It could be lies about the word of God. And perhaps there are those watching who are, who are captive to lies this morning. Satan has got a deep foothold in your life. And Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. So the truth gets you out of your captivity. You need to recall truths. You need to, I've talked about this before, gospel yourself, preach to your own heart. And then over time, the lies, they start to lose power, right? Um, they, they don't jive with what you know to be true. Then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's one of, of Satan's tactics is to tempt us. You ever been tempted? Was, was Jesus tempted? Yeah. Luke 4, Satan comes and he tempts Jesus. So one of the lies Satan's going to whisper to you is if you're tempted, you're already guilty. So, you know, you might as well just go through with it. There, there's a big difference between temptation and sin. Bible says that Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. Hebrews 4 says that 
We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. He's been tempted in every way as we have been, and yet without sin. So you will be tempted, but you don't have to sin if you wear the breastplate of righteousness. Some of, some of us have got excuses for our sins, right? You don't need to excuse your sin. What you need to do is fight it. You don't have to give in to temptation. You can instead, by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in righteousness. See, because Jesus died for your sin. He gave you his righteousness. You are righteous in Christ. That's your identity. So, so when you're tempted, you don't have to give in to sin. You can live out of the righteousness that Christ has given you. And if and when you fail, you can repent, come back again, clothe yourself in the righteousness of Christ, wear his, his armor and, and walk in victory. You know, for some of you, a lie you've believed is, I can't change. I'll never change. This is just the way I am. You know, God loves you enough to meet you in your sin. And he loves you enough to invite you away from your sin. You know, sometimes when we think about uh, spiritual warfare, we're like, oh, were there chairs flying around the room? Did, you know, anyone's head rotate a full 360 degrees? It's actually usually a lot less sensational. It's actually as commonplace as temptation. So next time you're tempted, remind yourself, whoa, whoa, this is a spiritual battle. I, I'm finding myself in a battle and Satan is trying to destroy me. I'm a soldier in this war and my enemy is trying to take me out. So I'm no longer effective for King Jesus. So put on your breastplate. Number three, he talks about having your feet always ready. I'll use boots here because I like boots and I used to have this great pair of Doc Martin boots, right? If Jonathan Hearn were here, I'd ask him if he'd ever seen a, a battle ready soldier in flip-flops or Crocs or Tom shoes. Oh, oh here come the flip-flop brigade. This ought to be easy. Nobody was ever terrified by the flip-flop brigade. <laughs> it's battle. So you got to put your boots on. The military has this saying, you may have heard of it, like sleeping with your boots on. Why? Well, because the enemy doesn't work Monday to Friday, nine to five. Hey, it's 3 a.m. You can't shoot now. We're a union army. No, you sleep with your boots on because you never know when the enemy's attacks are gonna come. You gotta be ready. Satan's always attacking people. And that means that those who are part of the battle you got to sleep with your boots on. And maybe if we actually believed that we were at war, we wouldn't be so disappointed and so frustrated. You know, we'd understand, well, this is war. And during war, there are no schedules to the attacks. And Paul says these boots are the gospel boots. They are the good news about our king. The reason you sleep with your boots on 
is so that you can bring the gospel whenever there's an opportunity. Do you think church that there might be any gospel opportunities these days during COVID-19? Do you think, do you think there might be times where we can bring good news and hope and healing and Jesus into situations where there is fear and anxiety and hopelessness and even practical needs? Yeah, I do too. In fact, this might be the most opportune time in our lifetime to share the hope that lies within us. So get on your gospel boots and sleep with them on because you never know when the opportunity might come to bring good news so that the captives can be set free and come to know the Lord Jesus. And then it says, to wear the shield of faith. This is to extinguish the flaming arrows. Now this is some good Narnia, Lord of the Rings type imagery, right? Where are my nerds at? Someone said Middle Earth. Now, you know, now I'm paying attention. Do you know, Christian, that Satan is gonna haunt you for things that Jesus has already forgiven you for? And it's gonna come out of nowhere. You'll, you'll be walking along and you'll be like, where did that accusation come from? You know, accusations of you're not loved, you're not forgiven, um, you'll never change, you're a fraud. And sometimes we have negative self-talk, I believe that, but we forget that there's such a thing as demonic accusation. Revelation 12:10 says that, Satan is the accuser of the children of God, that he accuses them day and night. And, and for many of you, there are days where it literally feels like it's raining flaming arrows. Do you ever see that scene from, from 300? Just arrows that blot out the sun. And then they're like, well, then we'll fight in the shade. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? So many arrows that it blots out the sun. Everything you ever have done, every way that you've ever failed, every sin you've ever committed, it's just, just raining down on you. And you can't even see the sun. It's not God condemning you and accusing you and shaming you. It's the enemy shooting at you. So what do you do? Well, Paul says, you, you hold up the shield of faith. No, I trust Jesus. I, I trust his truth. I trust that he has a plan, a good plan. And you shield your mind and your heart and your spirit when you do that. And then in the same way, Paul says that we put on the helmet of salvation. You know, every good soldier wears a helmet, right? Except this one, it protects your mind. And it, it protects your thinking and your decision-making. You've got to keep your head on straight, right? Friends, you're going to get rattled. You're going to get hit. You're going to get attacked. And you're going to be surrounded with false teaching, all kinds of lies, half-truths, temptations. Protect yourself against stinking thinking. Surround it with truth, with the spiritual protection of salvation. Put on the helmet. You say, I belong to the Lord. I'm his soldier. You need to keep your head on straight. 
And then it says, there's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is a weapon. Genesis 3, the, the first spiritual battle in the history of earth. God says, you know, don't do this, but you can do this. And Satan comes along and his first question is, did God really say that? So the first war is about the word of God. It's over, did God really say what he said? See, as long as we hold the truth of the word of God, we've got a weapon to fight against Satan and demons and lies. But Satan comes and he tries to get us to lay down our sword. And you know what that is? That's an act of surrender. You stop reading your Bible, surrender. You stop studying your Bible. You stop submitting to the truth of the Bible. That's surrender. Some of you, you've seen that, haven't you? Like life is hard. So you put your Bible down, you stop praying, you stop participating in church. And then all of a sudden, maybe life actually gets a bit easier. He's not going to attack you because now you're no threat because you've dropped your weapon. You know what this, this means, church? That every time you pick up the Bible and say, I'm gonna read it today. I'm gonna study it today. I'm gonna uh, download a sermon podcast and listen to it on a walk so that I can learn the word of God. You know what that means? It's an act of battle. You are declaring war on the kingdom of darkness and lies and make no mistake. This is an offensive weapon for the progress of the kingdom of God. Hey, welcome to war. Pick a team. You say, I, I don't want to pick a team. Team's already been picked. <laughs> There's really only two kingdoms, only two teams. You're, you're born on Satan's team. You're born again on Jesus's team. And if you're on Jesus's team, you got you to gotta keep the sword in your hand. And then finally, Paul says, pray in the spirit. One of the, one of the most important things in a battle is communication, right? You need to talk to headquarters. You need to listen to HQ. We call that prayer. He says, it's in the spirit. So it's different than how other religions pray. Other religions don't pray by the spirit. The Holy Spirit only indwells the people of God. Now, other people may use religious words, but it ain't by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says to pray in the spirit at all times for anything. So how's your prayer life? You know what? If, if you don't know you're in a war, you won't feel like you need to listen to the commander in chief and you won't feel like you need to talk to him. But man, if you know you're in a battle, you get up in the morning and you're like, I'm not going to work. I'm going to war. Uh, I, I'm not going to school. I'm going to battle. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to call headquarters. Okay, Lord, um, what do I need to do today? What do I need to know today? And can I, can I tell you about what I feel I'm heading into? Because I, I need you to give me some direction here. Could you imagine an army going to war without any communication? Soldiers just being deployed into enemy territory with no communication. Prayer is our communication plan. So how's your prayer life? Do you pray for our church? Do you pray for our leaders? Do you pray for 
new gospel opportunities. As I said, you got to know there are people actively praying against us. Now, I'm going to close with this. Four times in this section in Ephesians, Paul uses the word stand. Stand, 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 stand. A soldier needs to hold their post, right? You, you plant your feet. You stand. You don't say, oh, maybe I'll go wander over to another post. No. You hold the line because your king has sent you to dig in. You know, part of the way I persevere and stand is, is my commitment to Victoria and my girls. It's not a temporary deployment. It's a lifetime assignment. I don't abandon my post. There's no furlough in this battle. There's no honorable discharge. There's no AWOL or leave or vacation in this war. I'm telling you, it is exciting when new soldiers get deployed in God's army and then six months 12 months in, six years in, 50 years in, still on post. I mean, that's amazing. It's rare. You can only do that if you're strengthened by Jesus' strength to stand where Jesus has sent you. Man, I just, I love seeing faithful Christians who 50 years later still have their boots on, still have a sword in their hand, I think of people like Peggy and Beryl and others who are faithful, still have their boots on and will continue until they die or Jesus comes back and they hear, well done, good and faithful soldier. Church, um, I'm going to wrap up, but today is the last message in this series from the book of Ephesians, focusing on our identity in Christ on our uh, website under the blog section. I just want to offer you a a PDF that has all the um, identities of, of who we are in Christ found in scripture, about 90 of them. And this might be a good thing for you to print off and just remind yourself about gospel yourself about that. You know, I am forgiven. I am loved. I'm a child of the King. I'm an heir but today I, I want to ask you to, to respond and to do something a little vulnerable. Um, the team is going to lead us in a song and I'd like you to thoughtfully, worshipfully consider what identity you need to claim this morning, you know, to lean into this morning. Maybe because you recognize this is an area of weakness or insecurity in your life. Maybe today you would just write down uh, what we talked about. Um, You'd write in the comments, I am victorious. And you don't feel victorious, but by faith this morning, you claim it because you know that you are victorious in Christ Jesus. So just write it boldly in the comments. Maybe today you have doubt whether God really has accepted you into his kingdom. You keep worrying about your standing before God. And you just need to write down, I am chosen. Uh, maybe you have a lifetime of insecurity, of, of body image issues, uh, lies from your childhood that you just continue to be tempted to believe about your worth. And, and you would type today, I am his workmanship. 
Maybe you find yourself at odds with people in your family, you know, conflict with people at work, people in your church family. And you can boldly write down, I am reconciled with Christ and therefore I can freely be reconciled with others. Maybe you've, you've listened to the lies of the accuser too long, saying that you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not saved enough. And in Christ, you can confidently write and say, I am competent. Maybe this morning you feel weak. Maybe especially in this time where you have little or no control. And the truth is, in your own power, you are weak, but you have the spirit of God in you. And so you can type with all confidence, I am strong. Perhaps you've always thought uh, ministry is for, you know, the professional Christians out there. You're like, I'm just a consumer of religious goods and services. And you need to remind yourself today that you are gifted and you are set apart and you have an amazing ministry and service to offer others. And so you would type, I am called. And there are those today, you're living in the past. You feel like you're a slave to the old life and you just need to proclaim online, I am forgiven because Jesus is redeeming all things, making all things new. And some of you just maybe feel enshrouded in darkness. You know, you had been keeping things in the dark and you know God has set you free from that and is bringing it into the light and, and you are gonna be a light to others. So you can write this morning, I am a child of light. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And maybe like no other time in your life, this pandemic has revealed how you need supernatural wisdom for your business, for your family, for your survival. And you have access to that wisdom. And you can say today, by your spirit, I am wise. Your identity is not your career. It's not your stuff. It's not your humor or your gifts that supposedly make you special. It's not even that you're a father or a mother. Your identity is what Christ calls you. And Christ says, you are valued. Maybe you would write that. I am valued today. Maybe you'd even write it on a a piece of paper, take a picture, post it. I would love that. Before we sing, let me just pray. Father, we ask that like soldiers for Jesus, we would stand in Newmarket. We'd stand in Aurora. We'd stand in Southlake. We'd stand in Toronto. That we would stand together victorious in love and in truth and in joy and in grace. I pray, Lord God, that that you'd open up opportunities in other places that we might stand there as well. And I pray that our elders would stand. I pray that our pastors would stand. I pray that our worship and tech and volunteers would stand, that our small group leaders would stand. I pray that our rock and forge and King's Kids leaders would stand, that all of your knack servants, Lord, would stand. 
And I pray that we would stand in prayer together in Jesus' victorious name. Amen. Amen.